Hello, everyone. Crypto traders around the world. Crypto Talk Radio, Basic Cryptonomics is back with another episode. Thankful for you joining us here today. Let's kick this off real quick. Won't take us long. We've got a couple bits and bulbs to get out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. CryptoTalkRadio.net is the site. You can check out all of our various episodes, download, listen. We appreciate if you'd spread the word. The more people that we get listening to our show and our various episodes, the more people we get on board with what we're doing. The greater we can be, the more we can serve you. We appreciate you. We appreciate any word that you can spread as well. And CryptoTalkRadio.net continues to be updated. We are adding content constantly until we are satisfied with the outcome. So keep tuned on that same channel for more and more to come in the future. And we will let you know anytime that we make any changes that are significant, at least, or anything that's new launched. Of course, our Triad membership in the upper right corner, click that, and it'll let you know about the different plans that we have available if you want to support the show. Keep us doing what we're doing. Pass up us a little bit of money. It's not a lot, but you get a lot of value for each of those tiers. Check that out at CryptoTalkRadio.net. Let's go ahead and get into our internal news for today. All right. Well, if you're not following the uh, updates I do on Casual Talk Radio, I will share or cross-share what I can here. I think it's important you know from an internal updates perspective. So it may sound like a broken needle if you're a recurrent listener. I apologize, but I think it's really important you understand where I'm at. It's because it affects, obviously, the podcast and the show and the recording cadence. And we continue to make tweaks under the hood, so we are improving everything. We've got most of it down to a science. We've got the uh, auto notifications, the email for the subscription that's going and sending like I expect it to. We have the triad going and we have uploads happening there as well. There's a lot of things under the hood happening and I'm reasonably satisfied, but I'm never fully satisfied. So I felt it's important to just keep you up to date. Let me tell you about my endeavor, right? So I had a pretty, pretty intense heart to heart with the person that I work with and answer to up that the client to just let them know that the inefficiency that they're attempting to force downstream, it's not coming from this person. It's coming from from a different group that we depend on to get work done. And unfortunately it's not satisfactory because the, I guess the assumption, see a lot of companies, whether you're doing full-time or you're doing consulting, but it's more on the consulting side, unfortunately, what will happen is they will go out and screen for people and they'll do full interviews because they want to get to know you and understand this. And they're, they're presenting it as if they're looking for certain skill sets, certain core expectations of the person experience that you have that you bring to the table to help them where they're lacking. This is the assumption anytime you go through an interview process. What then happens, unfortunately, is that you get in and you're immediately saddled with kind of not low-level work, but inefficient work. So the work is necessary, but there's all these inefficiencies that they don't they don't seem to want to fix. And then you're essentially relegated to remedial type tasks because of the inefficiencies. So this might be excessive documentation. There's nothing wrong with documentation of processes, but when you're starting to document to tell somebody what to do, that's an administrative task. Don't mind doing an administrative task. However, I charge more for that. And the rate that I accepted for this one was in the assumption that we'd be doing a certain level of work that is easily done and that it wouldn't be as catastrophic bad as it tended out be. So what I've decided was to kind of push back on this and get rid of some of these inefficiencies 
and get back to the core essentials I know can be done. I gave the example that this is work that normally I could knock out in 30 minutes to an hour at this stretch where their process requires it take multiple days because there's a lot of padded overhead. Now, I had the chat and said, these are the things, I'm not doing those because I'm a consultant, I can tell them no. I'm not doing these things, but we gotta figure out how to fix it to where we're not doing it. And I believe that this person is, because they're new to the position, they're afraid, they don't, they don't have the same tenacity I would have because I've been a supervisor at a company before and that's what I did. I basically put my foot down and forced change. And as I did, we had significant progress until they changed my management and the guy that came in there was an idiot in replace of the person that I had before. So then I just left that one because I couldn't do what I was doing, which was make progress. I don't want to be stopped with a bunch of saddled with administrative overhead that doesn't have any ad value, especially when I'm using other people's money. So what I said in this meeting was, we've got to fix this. We've got to move it forward and get past what we're doing because there's a lot of work and it's increasing because they see I'm here now and they see I have these ideas and they like what I'm talking about. That's great, but then I need you to break this ice over here so we can start making this stuff happen because I'd had this stuff done already and I've only been in it a month and a half. But that's, for me, how easy the work is, is I'd already had all of it done, but they have all these hoops and they're not, they don't have to, they choose to. So I'm one that's more aggressive. I'm going to break it down and this person's not like that yet and I'm trying to encourage them to be because it's the only way sometimes you have to force change as stupid as it is, you've got to force change. The side note is that they apparently tried agile methodologies and they did it wrong. So then they felt like it doesn't work. Well, most companies do agile wrong. I actually did an article on that on LinkedIn. And then they tried lean methodologies, didn't like it because they did it wrong. They did it all through full in, which is not what you're supposed to do. So they've already tried to fix it, but they're doing it wrong every time. They don't understand that everything has to be introduced kind of steadily. And then you work towards a certain goal, but they never define the goal. That's what I'm trying to help them define. Because again, I'm not going to do admin work, not for the amount of money I'm paid, I refuse. So we'll have to see how that goes. And if it's not resolved, then that means that it certainly means I'm not going to be relocating um, because I'm not going, as I feared, I didn't want to be put where I was going to be trapped in this place. So that's still up in the air. And as it stands, I'm still here and I'm going to be here. Now, I filed other paperwork that's going to allay some of that concern of what I was dealing with in the current place. Now I have to still, I'm still committed to getting out of Nevada no matter what, but now I have to figure out, find a place that's not, rent's crazy expensive for those that don't know, and I refuse to pay some of the rates I'm seeing. And then there's an inventory issue. So there's a lot of things happening there, but suffice to say, CTR is not going anywhere in the short term because we're dealing with the endeavor mostly, second inventory issues, third the... Uh, the rent prices and kind of holding the line. It actually is the point where it would be cheaper for me to just buy a house than it is to rent, which has never been the case that I can recall. So we'll see what that happens there. So that's enough of that. Let's go ahead and get into cryptocurrency, folks. I have a couple of thoughts and I'm probably going to piss some people off and I understand and I don't care, but there's a lot of information being shared and I see the source of the information. I understand the source of the information. My stance is going to contradict what people are saying about the current state of cryptocurrency. Here's the, here's the summary thoughts here. We are in a period right now where crypto's uncertain. However, the volatility has always been there. You, you know this. There's always been volatility in cryptocurrency. The challenge is, is that we had an extended bear period 
which has caused less confidence in cryptocurrency long term because people have been told largely by the government in the United States that crypto is a scam. They didn't say it outright, but they implied it. And that's this dark market thing. and It's underground and it's not, it's certainly not regulated and they want to try to lock it down because people are getting scammed. Then other governments in other countries outright banned mining, which was one of the keys to proof of work. And all this issue is affecting Bitcoin because Bitcoin, of course, is proof of work. Without mining, there is no Bitcoin. Without Bitcoin, the rest of crypto crashes. I said before in one of my earlier episodes, I believed it was strategic. I believe that there's a strategic, I don't want to call it an attack, but I'll tenfold it and call it an attack on things cryptocurrency to try to keep it down because people started seeing that, oh, wow, people are getting independent wealth from this. We don't want that. And in a, in a situation where we got inflation running rampant, I think there was simply a desire to get people back into dependency, kind of corral the wagons, get people under control. We don't want this thing that's out there that people can do whatever they want to do with it. And I believe that the demise of a lot of these pseudo exchanges like Celsius, I believe that some of these are strategic. I believe that there's a coordinated effort to try to get rid of some of this stuff. I believe there's a coordinated effort around the exchanges, the actual centralized exchanges to try to force them to shut down and cause them to have issues. I believe all of this is strategic. I don't believe that I don't believe in the narrative that it's an accidental thing. That's a happenstance thing, a once in a lifetime thing. I don't believe it. I'm sorry. The Coinbase laying off people, I I understand their statement. He said it before, you know, we we have some financial issues and we're going to work past them, and, da, 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 and he couldn't work past them. I got it. But Coinbase has been around enough that I strongly doubt that they could not have seen that there was going to be something potentially happening in a volatile market as we're dealing with where they would not have built up a nest egg to avoid the layoffs that we saw. I refuse to believe that because Coinbase never allowed people, individuals, to trade many of the risky assets with the exception of wrapped Luna. Okay, well, if you allow people to trade the wrapped Luna, you already knew that it was a risky, high risky asset. So you went ahead and allow people to do that stuff. And Coinbase Pro doesn't let you do too much crazy stuff. Like Coinbase doesn't have a lot of the stuff that you see in like KuCoin, for example, where they'll just let you margin trade and short like crazy almost free. They'll give you money to do this stuff. So Coinbase Pro doesn't do any of that stuff. So I question why KuCoin seems to have weathered it reasonably well when KuCoin had a lot more risky assets and still does. And they're still giving money away. And yet Coinbase is apparently insolvent. That to me feels strategic because again, I said before, Coinbase is the one that did everything the government wanted them to do in terms of filing and reporting and monitoring and all this. So I'm tinfoiling it, folks. I'm saying that I don't believe this is a random happenstance. I don't believe it's just random chance. I believe that there's something going on that's causing these different entities to have these issues when they really shouldn't. Now, the reason that I talk that through with you, when I, if I accept that as true, if I accept that there's some external force or forces that are causing all this chaos and things to happen, there were some articles and people that talked about, yeah, just hold, just hold it. You know, it's, it's volatile. Just hold it. I'm, if you, if you follow that mantra, I'm, I support your choice. I will continue my own mantra as my own recommendation. I am never, I never have been, never will be a fan of the hold strategy, except for situations where it's a, it's a project that you completely emphatically support and you want them to stay around, right? Bitcoin doesn't do anything as a project. 
I'm saying it doesn't do anything as a, a physical utility other than the fact that it can be used as currency. That's really its utility. That's fine. I'm talking about something else. If I go back to Everrise as my kind of core example, Everrise built a bunch of sub-utilities that are all designed to make crypto stronger. If I look at Crypto Vault, which is somewhat on the recovery, it built a utility to help people give distribute cryptocurrency in a way that's easy for people to understand, layman people to understand. Like I'm talking about utilities that go outside of the bubble. If it's a project that you believe in and the devs have not failed you in their actions or inactions, they're not locked in telescam, ideally. They're acting like a real business. They have strong utility. They're treating you like an investor. They treat it serious. They care about your voice. If it's a project that's actually trying hard to be successful and they care about their website, which I'll get to here in a minute, those are the projects I think, in my opinion, okay, maybe you do decide to hold because there's no value in selling right? And you bought enough that you don't need to buy anymore, right? You, you get to a position and you're comfortable in your position and you're comfortable with the project. I'm okay with a hold where I'm not okay with a hold is just to do it just to, just because, right? It's, well, it's money, it's volatile. So just hold, 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 hold. I never support this. And that's kind of the mantra right now is if you're sitting on Bitcoin, just hold it. If you're sitting on Ethereum, just hold it. If you're sitting on this, just hold it. I'll never support it. Now we're kind of too late for the action I would have recommended, but I'm saying this as a kind of an educational point. If you had any cryptocurrency and it peaked, what I want you to learn to do as a call to action is to read the graphs and predict better. This is hard. I'm not suggesting that it's easy. I'm suggesting that it's necessary so that you can protect yourself. Because remember what I said, I don't want anybody listening to me who goes all in or even goes the majority in to projects and then gets wrecked because of external factors. I don't want to see that happen. So what I'd like you to eventually get to the point of is learning how to read these graphs in a way that you see that the pinnacle I talked about where it plateaus off, looking for that plateau. And then when you see it start to go down, taking profits. So you're taking profits at the point before you're about to take a loss of some kind. This doesn't mean that you completely liquidate or maybe it does. Maybe it's one where it's just so volatile and we know Bitcoins can be volatile at times. Or maybe it's one where you just simply take incremental. The point is, I like to see you take profits. I like to see you take profits on the way up. I like to see you take profits at peaks and, and plateaus. I'd like to see you take profits before you get a loss and then buy in when it's down, when it's going down and essentially do a dollar cost average. So you're increasing your position, but you're not coming at a loss. This is a tricky thing because timing it is hard, but also you never know, is it going to be an extended bear run or a short period deal? Is it a short period dip? Is it a short period climb? You don't know when that happens. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm saying that I strongly recommend that you learn how to do that so that when you do need to do it, you're able to do it and insulate yourself from the issues. Because consider, if you had bought in Bitcoin at $30,000, you're wrecked right now. We expect that it'll get way above that at some point. Okay, if you had bought Bitcoin at $5,000, you're still sitting pretty good. And for those people, maybe it does make sense to sit and hold on it. But if you bought Bitcoin at the peak, and let's say you bought 10,000 of it, but it was at $50,000 because we expected it wasn't go too much lower, I would, no, I would not have told that person to sit and hold that. I would have told them to take the profits because we couldn't know 
you know, once the bear period started, how far down it would go. And I would have told them to immediately take some profits because think about it. If you bought 10,000 at 50 K price, once it had tanked down to 28 some odd thousand, you would have ended up with more Bitcoin for that same 10,000. Plus you would have also taken some profits. So you might've ended up with say $1,100 ish. And so you could have increased and had a stronger position in Bitcoin buying on the dip. Because when you think about your basis and where you bought in, the price you bought in matters. That's the that's what I'm saying is if sometimes people buy into something not realizing there's going to be this level of a crash in advance. But if you think about how much money you put in at this price way up here and you think about the what you could have gotten in the amount of Bitcoin if you had bought down here and then how much it would be valued when it goes back up, it's a it's a total paradigm shift, complete paradigm shift. And the reason it's hard is because the crypto wallets don't make it easy for you to envision it this way. What I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, is try to focus on the amount of the cryptocurrency that you're getting for the price, not the value of it when you buy in. So ignore for the moment, ignore that $10,000. If $10,000 were to get you 0.009 of Bitcoin, and I'm just making up a number, if it were to get you 0.009 of Bitcoin at $10,000 at 50,000 price of it, if it went down by half, that means you're going to be able to get 0.018, double this amount of Bitcoin. You're getting more Bitcoin for that same money. Your money's going further. Does that make sense? That's where ideally I'd like to see you go is you're maximizing how much your how far your money can go as opposed to worrying about the price of the currency, or the amount that you put in it, the amount does matter. I'm saying that for the purposes of trading strategy, I want to see that you get to the point where you're able to maximize how much you get for that money. And I'm applying this primarily to the core tokens, the gas tokens, right? Because they're the ones that you can use for other things. Your Ethereum, you can use it for other things. AVAX, you can use for other things. Bitcoin has a similar strategy though, because you obviously want to get more for the money. That's the thought process. When you think of it that way, you actually and you actually welcome dips. You want it to go down so that you can buy more into position than you could have if it was at a higher price. It's a total different thought process. And the reason if you're if you're finding wow, I didn't, that's hard, it's because again, the wallets don't present it that way. The wallets present you a dollar amount and that's your focus. That's psychological. It's it's tricking you into focusing on that value. I'm simply saying that the value doesn't really matter yet until you get to a position that you're comfortable with of how much crypto that you want for the money. What do you think is fair for your money? If you're putting $10,000 into something, how much do you think you should get for it? Well, depends on the price and everything. But if I knew I could get more for that same money, why would you not want to do that? Something to think about and something to take away. Now, I'm watching all these different projects that I have and I have, I have my own feelings about my, you know, I have my fave five and my fave five so far has not failed me. Each and every one of them has continued to perform the way I expected. And I appreciate them for that. It means I made good decisions, and I've not bought into any new project at this point. I had some older projects that like I had one that was a pre-sale and then it, it was like, I don't know what happened to it. It went dead. No problem. Didn't care because I only put like $2 in the thing to watch price movement. That's a lot of mine is just watch price movement, put a couple bucks in to watch the price in the wallet so I can eventually do coverage if it seems like it's going to be successful. 
But I also did a coverage recently on Dex Finance. And I invited the C, uh, he says he's the COO. I invited him on the show. Haven't heard back from him. Now, th this person said something in response to the videos on our YouTube channel. This person said something that really caused me some concern, but it also made me think other cryptos are probably doing this garbage. And I felt like I wanted to put a public service announcement out about this. So one thing I criticized on their site was a, what appeared to be things not done, missing information. It felt like it was, it's well, visually well done, but it felt like it was slapped together, you know, just kind of boom. I, he, this person responded and said, yeah, that's our marketing site. And he acknowledged it hasn't been updated. It's way out of date by a month. You know, it got me thinking. I certainly hope some of these cryptocurrencies are not, if you're going to do a marketing site, that's fine. As long as it, there's an actual website somewhere else that you actually will keep up to date. I doubt that's the case. Got me thinking that the, the, the bubble I talked about is truly what it is, that these cryptos don't understand the importance and the value and the benefit of a website and how it plays into enticing people outside of that bubble. So I figured I would explain it for everybody here so you understand the importance of why I look for it and why I criticize so many cryptos because they suck. When you think of your people, and this is not crypto specific, I'm saying in general, as a business, as a marketing, whatever, when you think of your target audience, you have to also understand the behaviors of your target audience. What do you expect them to do? You can choose your target audience any way you want. So you can say, I only want people who know what they're doing in cryptocurrency. Right now, that's estimated about 4% of the world population is in cryptocurrency. It's not mainstream. It's not widespread. People are surface level aware of it, but there's very slim few people in cryptocurrency. So if we accept this, that the people inside crypto are the slim few, you as a marketer or whatever are free to say, those are the people we're going to go after and that's it. We're not going to go after anybody else. That's all we care about is the people who are already in crypto for one reason or another. Fine. I say that the smarter business is to go after people who are not in crypto and somehow entice them to come in. I think, my opinion, many of these cryptos don't do that because they know it's hard work and they don't want to put the hard work in to entice and think differently and think outside the box. So Bitcoin is largely ubiquitous at this point. People know what it is at a high level. They don't know how it works, but they know how to get it. It's pretty easy to get. Most have gotten a dabble or whatever, but I would consider those people not necessarily in the bubble because you're, some of these banks are actually allowing you to trade Bitcoin and it's kind of seamless. It fits in with your stocks. I don't count those people. They're still outside the bubble because they don't realize that there's a whole other world underneath this business. So if you choose to market only to the people inside the crypto bubble, only people that know about cryptocurrency, that's your choice. That's your business. That's your right. I have no yay or nay up or down about it, but I'm one of those who would rather go for the big. I'd rather go for everybody who's not in crypto because I accept that that's where the money is. Number one. Number two, if I'm going to build a website to me, the website is always the center of the, the nexus of your whole marketing strategy because of search engines being able to find you. Anybody outside the crypto bubble trying to find a project is going to use a search engine and they're going to use search terms to find what they're looking for. This is not just crypto. This is anything. 
if I wanted to be able to buy a chair, I'm going to go to search engine, presumably, and search for chairs. It could be a search engine that's on Amazon itself if I knew I wanted to buy it from Amazon, but maybe I don't. Maybe I just want to look at chairs. I'm going to use a search engine to find that. I think the flaw in many of these crypto projects is they make the assumption that telescam is the be all end all. It's not. People in the U.S. do not use telescam. The only reason anybody's in telescam is because of cryptocurrency. That means it's crypto bubble by its definition. It's a scammy platform. It's not designed for regular communications. It never has been, never will be. So that's that's that. Then you talk about Reddit, and many of these don't do a Reddit. Or if they have a Reddit, they, they underuse it. They're assuming, well, Twitter spaces, because they assume that everybody's on Twitter. The vast majority are not on Twitter. The vast majority of people are probably on Facebook, but they only use it to trade kid pics with their family. So it th it's thinking about how people use internet and social media and technology today. And then ideally you drive your marketing strategy around the current day use case. That's not what they do. Instead, they try to force people into the way they want to work. And when people don't do it, they don't change. They don't adapt. And then when their project craps, they blame everything else other than their marketing strategy. So when this Dex Finance comes back and he says, I'm assuming it's a he, that, yeah, this is our, quote, marketing site. It got me thinking, that's bubble. That's straight crypto bubble. Because if you don't care about your website to keep it up to date, because he claimed that there were projects that had already been launched a month ago. If you're not keeping your site up to date, that's crypto bubble. Because you don't understand how that affects people that are searching and might stumble across your site. Now, his site and the terms and everything that they use, a random person wouldn't stumble across it. It's a very specific thing. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to be searching those kinds of terms. But it could be that they find it as a related because what happens is some search engines will bring up, here's some other related sites that we think might be of interest to you. You've seen this before on YouTube. And so people might get curious. They might click on a thing and they'll look at this and say, coming soon, coming soon, not out, coming soon, not out, coming soon. Why would anybody be enticed on that? And then you're forced to go to Telescan and then people click it and they realize they got to install some software and they don't know why. They have to install software just to get more information about this project. And it seems sketchy. This is what I'm trying to emphasize is you cannot just live in telescan like that. One, two, you've got to keep your website up to date. You might have a Discord, but most grown people aren't doing Discord except for gaming type stuff. So this is what I'm trying to emphasize when I talk to various projects. You've got to think outside the crypto bubble. And I think any project that is already set in their groove of going all in telescan, they don't care about the website. They don't care to keep it up to date. That means they don't care to keep the white paper up to date. They're not treated like a real business. And I'm not going to even talk to them or look at them because they've already set the precedent that they don't care about the fundamentals. If I look at Luffy now, which used to be Luffy Emu, Luffy Emu started as a garbage anime project with nothing to offer, in my opinion. If you look at it now, it looks like they actually created a serious business. There's people on it. There's names and faces. They redid the website. They actually keep it up to date. That's what I want to see is an evolution of the thought process behind these projects so that we get more people that are outside the crypto bubble. Now, their name is going to make that hard, frankly, but at least they're trying. They're trying to put an effort to be treated like a serious business. So my summary thoughts for everybody here, if I, if I get a request, now, of course, if you're the triad member, you get the right to ask me to cover anything you want as part of the membership, and I'm happy to do that. But I will tell you, any project that I see straight out the gate that doesn't care about the core fundamentals is they're not going to get a lot of my time when I do the coverage and I'm not going to waste 
my own energy trying to give them coverage until I see they're willing to move forward. That said, if one of the people listening to this happens to be one of the leaders of the project or you have connections to the leaders of the project and you know that they really want the project to improve and they need the help and they're willing to take the smoke, feel free to make the introduction and I'm happy to talk to them. If I see they're open to these changes, I'm happy to help them because I want projects to be more serious. We've got to have more serious projects as we come out of the bear market. We can't have these garbage ones just keep spinning and going. There has to be a very clear line between the scam and the clean. And the way we do that is we've got to have the clean projects that want to be clean, take the time and take the effort to build out the fundamentals and not do the half-assed job that we've seen because the scammers got really smart. They realized, well, these others are doing half-assed job, we'll just do half-assed do-do. And then now people are getting their money taken and that's just making it worse, which is harming investors. So my summary again, to repeat, if it's a project that I see is does not appear willing to focus on the fundamentals, they're not getting the vast majority of my time. If you have a contact with leadership who can affect changes on that project and they want the smoke and they're willing to change and you real, and you know they're serious, get them in touch with me and I'm happy to help them through. That's kind of my commitment going forward because I got it. I want to help keep people safe. And I realize that we're not going to do that if somebody doesn't step up and at least try. That'll do it for today's Crypto Talk Radio episode. I want to thank you for listening today. We know you've got choices. CryptoTalkRadio.net. If you would, we would appreciate. At the very top, we have a contact form. Fill that out. Let us know what your thoughts are. If we're doing great or something you don't like, we always love to hear from our listeners. If you don't mind spreading the word, we would also appreciate that. If you think other people would benefit from the type of coverage that we do, we work hard to try to be different than every other type of podcaster or YouTuber that's out there. So hopefully we're on track with that. Finally, our YouTube channel, of course, is that Basic Cryptonomics. If you want to find us on there, those are dedicated, specific, exclusive types of episodes. So you'll hear things there that you won't hear on the podcast and vice versa. Check us out there for more quick and dirty coverages. Until next time, take care.